and welcome to This Mom Loves. I am Kate Wynn, a mother, teacher, currently of kindergarten, also a writer, blogger, and podcaster, and you are listening to episode 33 of the show. This is a very special episode of This Mom Loves, a one-on-one conversation with Sophie Grégoire Trudeau, who is, of course, the wife of our Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Sophie, as she insisted I call her, in Ottawa at the office of the Prime Minister and Privy Council building, specifically in the PM boardroom, which I'm told has a great deal of history. And as you'll hear, she was extremely open and honest with her responses to topics like parenting, mental health, fashion, the causes she supports, the misconceptions people may have about her, how she deals with negativity and criticism, and so much more. I've received a lot of questions about this interview, and in the next episode, I'm going to share some behind-the-scenes tidbits, but for now, it's all about our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. I want to be here. Excellent. What has the Trudeau family been up to this summer? I work in play. Elections coming up, so a mix of both, I would say. Um, I've been on the West Coast, um, enjoying the water, the nature, um, the rainforest, the waves, because I love to surf, um, and my three kids are like fish in the water. So lots of water time, sandcastle building, um, picking up stuff from the beach, looking at the tides and the, you know, the, the sea creatures yeah. and, um, just playing being playful, being um, with no shoes on. That's what summer's for. <laughs> with no, you know, uh, official events. Um, except there was work as well, but uh, because I'm a spokesperson for Park Stand, mm-hmm. so uh, on the Pacific Rim National Reserve, we did a, a day of, uh, of outings and inviting uh, young people and newcomers to discover the m- most beautiful places in Canada, which are so much included in all of our uh, National parks. Mm-hmm. So I, I have three kids with me. I went to camp for two weeks, uh, but the little one is still with me. So uh, lots of lots of family family time. You know, yes. playing board games. We love board games. We're super competitive between one another. So one kid will go on Daddy's team. The other will go with me. Like I went at Scrabble usually, so okay. <laughs> so they want to be on your team for yeah. that. Uh, we you know we play games, cards. Uh, we cook. We cook together. Um, what else did we do? Oh, lots of arts and crafts. So I love to paint. Um, and I paint. I paint a lot during the year as a way of, I guess, meditating and expressing my creativity. And my kids love it. And I bought some inks, and we used uh, different kind of mediums to play with on paper. And at one point, I remember being in front of the ocean. And just like on a picnic table, and I brought out a candle and I said, let's try to catch the light here. Like, what colors would you use? And I didn't have much guidance because they kind of knew it. And that was like, I'm going to remember this forever. And I told them that moment and there were bats flying around. So it was super exciting. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll always remember it because I think I've, I've given with the love, but also my interaction with life, how I want to be, um, deeply connected to it and to people I think they feel and sometimes when you express it through your art they feel it as well so I think they use it as a really a moment of not only creating something physically but just connecting Mm -hmm. or disconnecting in a way 
Right. Mm -hmm. Both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the first time we did an interview was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the kids, a lot has changed since 2012. How old are the kids now and what are their unique interests? Okay. So Xavier is 11, turning 12 soon on October 18th, which was his grandfather's birthday, weirdly enough, and he was two weeks late. I always think about that when I think about it. And um, he is into basketball. So can you imagine how he felt when the Raptors Oh, uh, like a lot of Canadians, not just him. Uh, he practices a lot. Anytime he gets, he he will go to the to the you know hoop and just start practicing on his own or inviting buddies to come over. Practices with his father sometimes uh, with me. And anywhere we go, it's easy because we got the ball, right? So we can just we're on vacation or not too long ago. Um, we were on a court and there were people he didn't know. And I think it's a great way, basketball is a great game to just introduce yourself mm -hmm. without having to introduce yourself. You get on the court, people will usually look up at you and say, hey, you know. So it happens naturally. And he's only 11 and I saw how he was, you know, he had people skills and he, he knew how to go in there, you know, beside the, the technical sport. Yeah. So I, I just think it, it touched my heart. It was a good moment. And um, he has big dreams for, for basketball. So I try to encourage him. Yeah. Then there's Ella Grace, who's 10 years old. And by the way, like Zav also has an artistic side. He's super good at drawing. He'll never he'll never say it, but he's he's good at drawing and painting, so it's a pretty good mix. Um, and he's very sensitive, and he could like close his eyes, look at you once, and be able to describe like how you move, how you eat, the way he's very he gets details around them and energy, you know. Ella Grace, I call her in in French. We say. Uh, I have a daughter, j'ai une fille, right? But I always say j'ai une fille. It sounds like fille, like daughter, but it means fairy. Mm -hmm. And I do have a fairy. So she has wings. And um, she's um, extremely soft and extremely, I would say, driven and rooted. Mm -hmm. A mix of both. Um, she's very maternal. She takes care of her little brother a lot. Actually, all my kids, you know, very often still sleep together. So we have a good family and a cuddly, you know, nice. dynamic, which is super important to me. Yes, I love that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she's a lively soul. Uh, you know, I rarely see her in a bad mood. She's kind of leveled. Uh, I'm proud to be her mom. Mm -hmm. And so proud to be, you know, my, 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 uh, my son's mom's too. Yeah. And uh, his Hadrian, my little puppy, <laughs> I call him Cookie because I find he looks like Biscuit. Like, hey, Biscuit! Because he looks like he has a little like cookie face. He's so edible. Um, he is extremely um, agile. Um, memory of an elephant. Like from stuff when he was like two, three. And I'm like, how could you even start to remember that? And he, he, he freaks us out sometimes. My husband went like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, very perceptive, uh, sensitive, affectionate, and very, um, he's got boundaries because he's got two older siblings, right? Right. So I've, I've been feeling that he knows like where to set them, like when it's no, it's no. You know? Because he gets, he gets. He gets teased for sure because he's the little one. Yes. Uh, but he also gets all the attention. Yes. So, yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're we're tight knit, um, tight souled knit. Yeah. And what are you finding the most challenging aspects of parenting at this phase? Ooh. <laughs> I think that whatever my answer is, a lot of people could relate. 
Um, the most challenging, I would say, is to always be on that fine line between having your kids see the world how it is and protecting the naivety. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there's much information that we should keep from children. I think the more we expose them to the world's realities, the better. But you obviously have to work along you know, the age range and the maturity level and all that. I think you have to take that into account. And also, I think that as a parent, you know, we're growing individuals, we're, we're growing humans. And um, for many years now, I've been doing the work online to try to figure out, you know, how I can become a better person, uh, how do I understand, you know, where I come from, the trauma that I had in my life. I've been doing work to evolve as somebody who's balanced because I am, and that's what I seek. I'm a balanced seeker. Mm-hmm. I'm a centered seeker. Um, and I think that the most challenging part is to be able to give that compass to your children. It's probably the most difficult path of self-knowledge as a human being, as an adult, so imagine for a child. So no matter what I'm trying to teach them with my words, for me, it's all actions. It's how they see me interact with the world. It's how they see me be, um, absorb information, uh, and exchange with people, situations. When it get hard, when it gets hard, how do I react? When they're going through something, how do I react? Um, do I listen? Do I judge? Like all that for me is is the, your way of being is really your greatest teacher to your children. Mm-hmm. So the biggest challenge is that you continue to do the work so that they can feed off your way of being. Yeah. The rest I can handle. Yeah. No, great point. Um, so you have the chance to do so much traveling and going coast to coast in Canada. I'm curious to know, are there any smaller cities or lesser known attractions that you think Canadians should check out? Well, I mean, here, when I first moved to Ottawa, so I'm a Montrealer uh, and I'm used to a bigger city, but I um, I grew up in the Laurentians in Santa So from zero to five, I was like in nature all the time. So that's really where I feel like I belong. And when I'm in nature, I feel like totally in my center. Um, and there's super cute towns around here that I didn't know of, like Perth, uh, Merrickville, um, Manatic. There's a great toy store there for kids that are so beautiful. Like the scenery, um, the little local designer stores, the little local bakeries. Um, people have a story to tell. And it's just sometimes you think, you know, oh, there's not much happening in small towns. I don't agree with that. Everything is happening there. Because daily realities is life, mm-hmm. right? So I love, I love visiting. I, I like, I like Prince Edward County. It's not that small now anymore. Uh, and there's lots of tourists, but I do like that. The beaches are beautiful. Um, with Parks Canada, I went to uh, Thousand Islands Parks, and in that area, I found it was beautiful. I haven't had much time to visit, but it's just stunning. Uh, more on the west coast, Yukuluit. So Yuki is becoming the locals call it Yuki. It's Yukuluit. Uh, more popular, but there's a lot to discover there. It's beautiful. Um, you know, there are small towns in the prairies. I, I want to do the whole country, but yes. those are the ones that, that, that pop up because yeah. they're closer to me and where, where I travel to. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's so much to learn from how other people live within our own communities, mm-hmm. right? That we don't have to go that far to have an inner travel happen. So you've mentioned Parks Canada. As a member of such a nature-loving family, it makes sense that you're their honorary guide for families. I have to tell you, I'm not as outdoorsy myself, so I need you to convince me here. So what are some reasons that you think families should spend more time in Canada's parks? Well, um, I'm not going to, what I could do is, is, is use the data to, to convince people because whenever you go in nature, first of all, you get fresh oxygen. 
um, our eyesight. We're very used to working on computers and it's proven since childhood now that we are meant as humans to also look at a very far distance to, to, to find our uh, physical compass, right, in, in nature. And it's very good for you. It's good for your health, for your eyesight, for uh, oxygenating the brain. Um, if you're exercising in nature, it's, it's even better. You get, you get double, double impact, double, you know, uh, right. reward. Better than my treadmill? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I do that too when it's super cold. And we both know that it's not always. Yeah. But I find that, and I can only speak from my experience on this side, but when I feel, you know, down or when I'm tired um, and I do go outside for 15, 20 minutes, something happens. And I always feel better after. And I'm also, I'm also a spokesperson for a fit spirit mm -hmm. um, because one of the two girls will drop from sports uh, from between ages 12 and 17 approximately. That, that's huge. Um, our human bodies are meant to move. We are not meant to be sedentary and not move and be sitting on in front of a computer on a chair, you know, 14 hours a day. We can do it if we compensate for our true nature and we were meant to move. So um, there are so many scientifically proven benefits to moving and also mental health issues. So exercise is a great way to relieve stress, anxiety, and it's all a cycle. Our life is a cycle. Everything is intertwined. When you sleep well and when you've exercised, so when you've exercised, you sleep better, right? Uh, when you sleep better, you're in a better mood. When you're in a better mood, you, you make healthier choices. You eat healthier. Um, so all that is, is, is one cycle. They're not siloed that we can, you know, work, work separately. So for me, exercise in nature is just part of this cycle of what it means to be healthy as a human being. That's what it means. Yeah. And you mentioned fit spirits. So what are they doing to help with that, with girls? So they're, they're, they're in like hundreds of schools across Quebec and Ontario, and they want to go bigger too, because they're seeing the response is just unbelievable. So what we want kids to learn is, to, and girls especially because of this problem, is to move freely and not in a, in a competition atmosphere. Right. Because our society is so filled with competition anyway. So can we just like chill a little bit and just be ourselves and, you know, enjoy what we're doing. And I love that attitude. I love it because when we take pleasure out of an activity, then, you know, we're pleasurable and pleasure oriented uh, beings. And we take away again, part of our true nature. If you look at a child, they're so playful naturally and not judgmental. So when you, we can you use that recipe uh, through sports and to get girls engaged, it's a winning combination. And what's really amazing is that they got, they really get the, the follow-up and the, um, the support they need from trained individuals who work for Fit Spirit and who train them during the year to avoid injuries, to make sure they know what they're getting into, to uh, boost morale. So it's not a competition, but it's a, it's a gift that we're trying to offer to kids so that they, they can keep that for a lifetime. Great. I want to switch things up and move to fashion for a minute, if Ooh, that's okay. okay. So you always look very stylish and put together at your appearances. So first, I'm just wondering who your favorite Canadian designers are at the moment. I just have to tell you something because it's funny because I, you know, some, some people will tell me this and that when I wear Canadian designers, like I'm so proud to wear them, but people have to know that those events are uh, isolated events in my life. I'm a mother of three. And two hours ago, I had a bun on my head, and I wasn't shorts with running shoes, and I was running around the kids. So, those I, it's a pleasure for me to get dressed when it's time to get dressed. But in my everyday life, that's not how I function. And I think it's an important thing to say because in politics, people get this perception that you know I must be in heels and always fancy. That's like contrary to who I am. I'm a sports girl. I'm outdoorsy. I'm pretty intrepid in what I do. 
Uh, I want to be comfortable and I want to be free. And anybody who's had children, like, I'm not wearing anything tight at the waist. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Defined, okay, but not tight. Yeah. Um, so Canadian designers, you know, I have been exposed to so many of them, and it's incredible the pool of talent that we have here. So, you know, there are some very well-known Canadian designers um, out there, and it's easy to go see, uh, you know, where to find them on the CAFA website, the Canadian uh, Arts and Fashion Awards. Uh, but I really like to encourage tinier local designers as well. Um, it's it's true that for very formal events, I need to go more formal and I need to follow the dress code. So I'll aim at different designers for that. But recently, well, recently in the past years, I've discovered local designers, uh, Valérie Duhem, and um, who else? I've worked them down because I didn't want to forget. Uh, oh yes, Birds of North America. Um, Tanya Larson from Yellowknife for jewelry. And these earrings that I'm that I'm um, that I'm wearing here, I bought in uh, in BC. And the designer is Studio Sparks, okay. uh, like S P A R K E S. Um, I think she's from Squamish, and she learned traditional bling in Saskatchewan when she was younger. Um, Zaleska jewelry from Vancouver, I like. Um, did I say Tanya Larson? There's Tanya Larson earrings, like caribou cuff earrings that I really like. Okay. Um, who else? Oh yes, recently, um, but it's more for like body products and stuff. It's uh, R-A-S-A, Rasa, from Peterborough. Oh. I just discovered them. Natural products, beautiful. Uh, I love when I get, um, I get to try they're objects, but they're objects that came with an amazing intention. And for Raza, for example, the philosophy is all about uh, natural ingredients, and they've done a lot of research on, on superfoods and what's good for you, um, body oils and stuff like that. Um, and it's fun that they're not too far. Peterborough's not too far. That's my area. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's totally like beautiful. <laughs> um, Christy Fever from Tofino that I've been wearing for a couple of years. Designer from Tofino, BC, and so there's a message behind each piece of jewelry, which I love. And you know, sometimes we'll, obviously we choose jewelry, but like I always like to choose it according to what a designer would think when she made it, or is there a special message or symbolism? I don't know. I'm attracted to that. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, the Taylor Project. Um, they make shirts. And I just learned, and this is pretty cool, that the Taylor Pro Project helps people like um, from Syria fleeing um, and coming here to Canada to make a life. And they have like, I think 20 years of experience in tailoring and parts of the profits are helping. So I think that's that's a great initiative. So I really did the work I tried to give you range yeah. that were interesting. So no, that's a great range. Yeah. So when you have big events, what's the process for deciding what you are going to wear? I know you mentioned dress code, but when you know that all the details are going to be analyzed, like which design you picked and do the colors mean something, you know, so yeah. what's the, the process there? Uh, what can I wear again is <laughs> the first question because I can go new every time and uh, I don't know, people who follow the fashion that I wear, if there's many people out there who do it, uh, they will see that I, I recycle outfits. Mm -hmm. And then the second question is, if that's not appropriate, because there are dress um, length, leaves, uh, uh, sleeves, yep. no sleeves, uh, high collar, colors, wear or not to wear, absolutely, yeah, there are dress codes to, um, to respect, and, and you do. <laughs> 
So that's to take into consideration whether, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you never know in Canada. I know, trust me. But I've learned that on July 1st, it's like 35 degrees. (laughs) But have a coat just in case. Exactly. So you have devoted a lot of your time to causes promoting mental health, Mm -hmm. including we well-being. And I love a quotation from you on their website about breaking down stigma. Mm -hmm. And you said, awkward conversations are 10 times better than silence. Love that. So what is we well-being doing to help? So we well-being um, are in schools across the country, and they want kids. They want to work preventatively, right, with information and knowledge, so that the younger you are, getting to know what mental health is. I like 20 years ago when I was suffering from an eating disorder, we weren't talking about that. What was mental health? And now it's pretty much out there, right? And even this government is doing something to, to, to get it more and to fund it more and to. To, uh, to invest in research and all that concerning mental health because it's a, it takes a huge toll on a society when people are not healthy mentally. And I think that what I've been learning is that we're all on the spectrum. If you know somebody who's suffering, like we have to understand that, oh, you know, oh, that person is schizophrenic, oh, that person is uh, bipolar, or that, and we feel far from that. Let's be very careful because we all have our tendencies. We all have our personalities. We all have our ups and downs. And good if you can go back to center easily. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes trauma happens, accidents happen, uh, loss happens, grief happens, and that can change your, the state of your mental health. So if we equip our young people with as much knowledge and self-knowledge as possible, what are the signs? How can you get to know yourself better? How are we training our doctors now concerning mental health in, in medical schools? Super important. This is being discussed everywhere because I have friends who are scholars, doctors, and and it's something that's out there now that wasn't the way it is now 10 years ago even. So it's great news. It's great news. And um, mental health and physical health are related. So is there like any counter information that could prove us that it's not a good idea to invest in this field? I don't think so, right? I think it's for the benefit of all. And also the families of people who have mental health problems. Um, yeah, and I think that it's uh, we can work so much in prevention. Uh, that's not only a winning combination for people who suffer, but also for the cost that it demands of a society. Um, mental health issues, I think, is the number one hospital expenditure um, in Canada. So it's, it's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have been open about your own past struggles with Absolutely. mental health, including eating disorder you mentioned. I'm curious to know, is there anything particular you do at home with your children to promote that positive body image? And it's not about how you look. It's not about weight and all of that sort of thing. My daughters are 13 and 11, so it's something I think about a lot. I was reading a book not too long ago, and this sentence just struck me. It said, life is not a private affair. Hmm. Life is not a private affair. Its lessons should be shared or they're lost. So when I came out talking about my eating disorder, I was already uh, working in television, and I was like, okay, what's going to happen the next day? Am I going to have work again? You know, like, but I knew it was the right thing to do because what I've lived myself and through, I would say now, thousands of people that I've met is that when we start sharing our story, we allow ourselves to heal and others to heal too. So it comes back to the same thing. Are you doing the work inside of you to be loving, kind, patient, with yourself unconditionally? Isn't that the biggest quest you'll ever be on? So again, your children will feed off that. And yes, we talk to them. Yes, um, you know, when there are role models out there that are completely redone and that don't represent something authentic, we'll have a conversation about it uh, because kids are watching. Mm-hmm. 
and they're very, they're like little sponges. They take everything in. So I think that I'm trying to work their discernment by giving them the information. They're, they can obviously make their own choices because the other day my son said, well, mom, you know, sometimes you try to impose your opinion on me. And I'm like, ah, oh, busted. <laughs> but I learned from that. I'm like, yeah, he's probably right. I have to work on this. You know, and why is it that I want to impose it? Is it because I feel insecure about it? Like, I like to put myself in a position of revisiting the firmness of my opinions. Do you know what I mean? Like, who are we to think we, like, I don't think I hold the truth. And I think that at every moment, and especially on the political path, just because of the humanity on the political path and the people that I meet and the stories that I get to share and that I get to listen to is, is a gift. It's a blessing because it puts things into perspective. Um, yeah, I, I think that, again, they feed off who we are in our actions more than conversations at the table are super important and we shouldn't shy away from topics that are um, sometimes shy to talk about, whether it's uh, sexuality, you know, even mental issue, uh, mental health issues, um, pornography, like we, we should talk about the real stuff and the more we hide from reality, then we're telling each other lies. That's not, that's not, um, it's not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think politicians must have a thick skin or else they wouldn't get into the, the career that they get into, but that doesn't necessarily apply to their spouses. So I'm curious to know how you handle, you know, negativity, whether it's just sort of general criticism in the media or that kind of nastiness that comes with social media. I know you used humor at the, was the press gala in 2016 to kind of, you know, poke fun at some things that had been said about you, but day to day, how do you deal with all that? Well, first of all, I have a good, like a pretty good sense of humor. Um, I'm, a, I'm also a funny woman. My husband always tells me, like, oh my God, you're, like, you're the funniest woman I've ever met. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit like, cra like crazy funny. Um, I'm self-deprecating. I like to do you know, funny things to make people laugh. And I think this helps me. Um, you know, the one thing that melted in my heart when I met my husband is the tenderness of this one. Um, such a deep, deep, open human heart he has. And that's what I felt in love with. Um, and, you know, they say they have thick skin. Yeah, you build a, a certain protection, right? Mm -hmm. But it, if it never touches you, then you don't put yourself back into, I would say, perspective again. It's always about distancing yourself from what's being said out there, but also knowing, okay, what can I do better? You know, is there any truth in this? If not, push it away. Mm -hmm. So in my yoga practice, I've, I've learned in my meditation practice, I've learned to actually create distance between the criticism and my reality. And you know, I'm not 18, I'm, I'm 44. So I kind of know better who I am and what I stand for and where I move from. What are our intentions? I know my husband's intentions through his work and through his humanity and him being the man that he is. I know my intentions clearly. So, when you know the integrity of your intention, you don't doubt that, you know, the criticism is just sad. And what I've noticed is that it, it usually comes from the same minority of people. This, the, the unfortunate part is that because of the media right now, you know, bits and, and, and pieces of information are brought together and are forming people's perception. I think that's dangerous. It's dangerous because it's, it's truth distorting. And if we start playing with the truth, uh, We've got a high price to pay for it on many levels. So um, I take it I, I, I take it by living, you know, responsibly and but also expressing who I am and not shying away from 
Sophie, because that's what I have to offer you know, to the world. I have nobody else than me to offer and my love. So, <laughs> well, on a, on a similar note, what do you think might be some of the misconceptions that Canadians may have about you as a person or you and your role? Well, I mean, I, I don't go into, you know, the world and the country and meeting people thinking, oh, they don't have the right opinion. I'm not, that's not where I move from. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm actually curious. I'm an only child. I was brought up, you know, with my parents saying, go, go say hello, my name is Sophie, do you want to play with me? And I have still in my personality, I'm curious, and I'm, I'm like, who are you? Do you want, do you want to do something? You know, like, yeah. it's just fun. I, I'm, a, I'm playful in nature and curious. So it's not the first thing I talk about, I, you know, I think about when I meet people, how do I change their perception of me? I, that's not how I feel. Um, I feel very welcomed, you know, in more than 10 years of being on the political path, because we started earlier than what you see now, um, I think I've gotten like a negative reaction maybe once, door knocking while campaigning. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that. Like it's, and I know it's out there, but when you meet people, when they look into my eyes, when they feel my energy, they see a loving person who's actually quite grounded with an open mind and heart. And I, I can see this now humbly, not like, oh my God, I'm so good, just because I know who I am, yes. right? I'm not perfect, and you know, I, I try to work on my flaws, but. I think most people are good yeah. and I think most people want to be loved and understood for who they are mm -hmm. and we can relate wherever you come from. So if people, you know, might think that, you know, we live a jet set life and that, you know, I drink champagne, I mean, high heels, like, hello, how about I answer for you? <laughs> Looking around for the champagne. But yeah, no, that's not what my life is about. And that's not what I want my life to be about. And that's not how I'm raising my kids. Uh, I'm lucky to be, I would say, exposed to different kind of life situations. I see that as a plus and I adapt very easily. So that's a quality that I have that I think serves me on this path um, because I never play a role. Like people say, how do you like your new role? I'm like, what role? I don't have a role. First of all, there's no official role for first lady. No. But people often come up to me and say, you're our first lady. We look up to you. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I feel responsible. And I know that people are looking. But when I live my everyday life, I'm not thinking about that. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that would be quite authentic. Right. So I don't know how to be any, any, any different. <laughs> um, as your husband's current term in office starts to wind down, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently or any regrets that you have about, about this past time? I'm, I'm so not about regrets, that's yeah. not how, and especially going back to where we move from and the quality of people that have surrounded us on this journey. Um, I've seen so many people around us who work so hard, who have sacrificed so much, including family. And it's hard to see. People don't know how demanding public life is. Um, I think that's something that we should teach in schools. I think kids should know from an early age what it means to be a public servant. Mm -hmm. It means service. And it means, you know, a lot of the time you don't put yourself first because it doesn't work that way. And you have to be careful because you can fall out of balance, you know? So I would say what we have to work on because the work continues and there's more to do and is really to create even more balance in our lives personally to be able to serve. It's very important, very important. And it reassures me to look at the man that I'm with, seeing the balance that he seeks to create within while he's serving. Because 
it can be um, a life of distractions and pulling energies, you know, from different directions. You gotta know, you gotta know your ground, and you gotta know what type of person you are. Mm-hmm. Well, the final question that I always ask my guests is if they have a this mom loves or a favorite thing to share with listeners. So it could be a book or an app or a beauty product or anything. Oh, I always talk to you about Rasa. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about it. Uh, well, okay, more. Well, uh, so Rasa's a company from Peterborough, and I just discovered it, and they make these natural products. Um, the intention is beautiful because it's all based on knowing what the body the body needs from nature, really. Uh, Ayurvedic philosophy, so Indian-based. I love the fact that we live in Canada and that we have access to so much knowledge. Sometimes I read a lot about Chinese uh, traditional um, medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, which I studied as well uh, a little bit when I was doing yoga. Um, This mom loves every little, you know, I would say unknown person who's creating somewhere and who does it with intention. That really moves me. I love it. Um, I'm a bookworm, and there's like a pile beside my my bedside table and in my kitchen and in my, li- in my living room. And my kids are always like, oh, my God, which one are you reading? I'm like, well, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, so I finished uh, this summer Rebecca Solnit, The Far Away Nearby. She's the one who came out with the expression mans- mansplaining. Yes. Right? She's fabulous. Very eloquent writer. Uh, the Far Away Nearby, which is how Georgia O'Keeffe ended all her letters. Um, I found that beautiful. The far away nearby so that, you know, you can travel just by creating connection, right? And and connect just by being intimate, friendship, love, whatever, right? Just being present. I love it. Um, I'm also reading The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, uh, which they made into a movie, I think, and it's, it's just stunning, and it's about um, detaching from the fidgetness, frigidness of the mind, uh, and going back into more um, of a calmer state of mind because we move fast in our society mm-hmm. and it gets chaotic easily. And I think that, you know, so many families are trying to reach both ends and it's difficult and it's demanding. And it's demanding not only physically but mentally. So that's a book that I find that is, is useful. I have so many, like, um, I, have, I have poems, I have... Um, I have something on women's health. I'm actually reading some of the reports that uh, my colleagues gave me on uh, gender equality and indigenous communities as well. Um, the second annual report on gender equality. So Minister Monsef's office just came out with that. So that's right. super interesting. I'm going to start that. Um, so my, my reading habits are quite um, focused on women's issues and what I talk about in my speeches. Uh, but it also very, very um, large, diverse, it, it's diverse, yes. Mm-hmm. But it, it usually comes back to um, self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a little fiction here and there. My husband winks at me because he loves fiction and I read less of it. But when I'll fall upon a good, you know, like um, Canadian author or whatever, I'll go for it. Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. Well, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, thank you so much for being here with me today. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. I'm I'm grateful. I will have links for Sophie as well as the different designers and businesses that she recommended in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And again, this is episode 33. 
If you are new to this mom loves, I do want to let you know that in each regular episode, I start by sharing my latest favorite things, which almost always include a book recommendation, followed by a lifestyle segment with topics like health, finance, parenting, beauty, and more. Plus my special guest interview in the past. I've talked to musicians, authors, TV personalities, and experts in a wide range of areas. And you can find all of the past episodes at this slash podcast as well. And there are many more great segments and interviews coming, including in the next episode, when I will share some behind the scenes details of this interview with Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, as well as another fantastic guest interview. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves, on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves, and I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought of this special episode. It also really helps when you spread the word about This Mom Loves, and every tweet, Facebook post, or Instagram story really helps. You can also rate or review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, I would like to thank my amazing editor, Lucas Wojcicki. I could not do this without him. And thanks again to my special guest this week, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. And thank you all for being here. Until next time.